are the benefits and drawbacks to herd immunity with COVID-19? And what other long-term impacts will the pandemic have on our nation? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey talked to an expert to get the answers. Roy? Thank you, Chris. We're joined again by Dr. Gregory Poland, an infectious diseases expert and head of Mayo Clinic's Vaccine Research Group. Dr. Poland, many of us have heard of something called herd immunity. Tell us the basics of what exactly that is. Well, herd immunity basically means if you could envision a circle, let's say of 100 people inside this circle, and if you could imagine the susceptible people being in the center of that, the more immune people around the susceptible people, the less likely the virus can penetrate in and actually infect somebody. So that's the idea behind herd immunity. Next question is how much herd immunity? Well, we know with influenza that that number's somewhere in the 60%. With measles, it's about 95%. Coronavirus is probably going to fall into that neighborhood of 70-ish percent or so, something like that. So how do you acquire herd immunity? Well, there are really only two ways. You became immune because you got infected. And in the context of COVID-19, that means you have to be willing to accept a lot of severe illnesses and even deaths to get there. Or you have a strategy like a vaccine where you can, in a sense, artificially make somebody immune by tricking the body into thinking that it has seen the virus, made antibody, and that antibody be protective. So we have two options. One is and you've seen some countries do this, say no restrictions, we're going to go for herd immunity. You look in Scandinavian countries, for example, some of them have done that. They've had very high death rates. Other countries have not done that. They have very low death rates. The consequence of saying we're not going to go for that, we're going to do social distancing, is that we have to wait for the vaccine. That means we have lower number of cases, but we push them out longer. So we don't overwhelm the medical system. At some point, we have therapies or a vaccine and overall reduce the burden of infection. You mentioned flu, another virus that is common in the wintertime. How is this so different than the flu and why are the approaches to dealing with it so different? Yeah, that's a really good question because... You know, this coming fall, unlike this year when we really didn't have COVID until February, March timeframe, this coming fall, the COVID season and the flu season are likely to overlap exactly and they cause the same initial symptoms. So there'll be a lot of fear and concern, which is why we push getting the flu vaccine. The comparison is often made between the two and it's a fair comparison with one exception. We have to look at the difference in severity and the difference in death rate. So one study actually just got released and they were looking particularly in New York City, so sort of geographic boundaries. And they were looking at excess deaths due to seasonal influenza and excess deaths due to COVID-19. And it's kind of a stunning number, almost a 21-fold higher excess death rate due to COVID-19 than seasonal influenza. So, you know, the measures that we're taking, while some people feel they're extreme, when you look at a 21-fold difference between the death rates of influenza and the death rates of COVID-19, that's a really important difference in human health. Can we predict what will be different in the future as a result of this pandemic? It really has accelerated 
the use of technology to do our work. In the post-COVID world, when and if we get there, I suspect we won't travel as much for business. I suspect there'll be more distance learning in school. We have a generation now that went through half a school year and learned how to do that. I suspect we'll do more telehealth, which I think is actually to the patient advantage and certainly much more efficient. But I really think the key thing that's going to change is our awareness of just how much disruption, morbidity, and mortality respiratory diseases in general cause. And I think we're going to be much more careful about that. I think we will become, and in some ways I hope we do become, much more of a mask-wearing society during the time that we have respiratory pathogens circulating. And I think we're going to start to see that happen, particularly in the healthcare workplace, and that'll be a signal to other workplace environments to do the same. Dr. Gregory Poland from the Mayo Clinic, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. It's a great honor. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. And that wraps up this week's show. InfoTrack's executive producer is Randy Meyer, and I'm Chris Whitty. We hope you'll be here next week for another edition of InfoTrack.